The following is a Red Apple Podcast Network presentation. They say this is a big, rich town. I just come from the poet's part. Bright light, city life, I gotta make it. Welcome to Dominic Carter's podcast. This is Dominic Carter's City Hall. Now, here's Dominic Carter. Red Apple Podcast Talk Radio 77 WABC. You can listen to me, Dominic Carter, Sunday evenings, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. and weeknights, midnight to 1 a.m. Much has been said about the presidential race, but at the end of the day, in all likelihood, it appears to be a rematch. This is my podcast. Let's go. Of course, the rematch appears to be incumbent President Joe Biden against former President Donald Trump. We want a real clear objective on where things stand. So joining us now, political consultant Hank Sheinkoff, thank you for appearing. Dominic, thank you so much for having me on the air. I'm grateful to be with you. Well, we, we wanted to talk to you because your predictions almost always turn out to be dead on accurate for years. And so, but let me start this way. Whether we like it or not, it's looking like the fall general election campaign will be a rematch. Biden versus Trump. It seems to me, Hank Sheinkoff, and you're the expert, it seems to me if the election were held today, Trump would win or have a very good shot at winning. What say you? I say that the nominee is Donald Trump. And this is we're talking now, uh, let's see, uh, September, um, September 5th, um, 2023. The election is 14 months away, general election. If you were the election held today on this date. Trump would be reelected president and Joe Biden would lose the election. Unquestionably so. Wow. What, why do you say that? A uh, sense about the economy, the migrants, the Democrats are deluding themselves. They think it's going to be all about abortion. I think on your program, we had discussion last year. And I predicted with some accuracy that the Democrats were in for a surprising shock. Abortion would not be the issue, particularly in New York State. You did. And that what we'd see that the Republicans would would do very well in the suburbs. And uh, that was the difference in uh, who controlled the House of Representatives, right? The Democrats are, again, being delusional. They somehow think it's all going to be about abortion. It's not. Uh, Not in states where abortion is protected, like New York. It's going to be about things like, uh, are the streets filthy? Uh, Are the migrants uh, dangerous? Um, do we like uh, transgender discussions? Uh, how about family values? How about um, things that we don't think about? But the toxic cocktail of migrants plus increasing crime, murder alone is like one crime not up around the country today. Um, but um, migrants plus crime plus the economy um, throw family value arguments in on top of that. They'll mix in somewhere. Now, Hank, I, I believe as it relates to your background, I'll get to Clinton in just a second, Bill Clinton, but I, I believe you've done, you've done work in Israel and other countries as well. But I know that you got Bill Clinton to win. You delivered New York for him on his path, his comeback path, uh, in route to the White House, correct? Well, not exactly. I mean, I did work for the president. I shot the first ads for him in 19, when he was uh, when he was actually when we didn't think he'd win his second term. I was part of that team that Dick Morris put together. 
I'd worked for Bill Clinton in Arkansas, um, and I hold him in very high regard. And think, frankly, that he is the, uh, without question, the best candidate I've ever seen. And I've worked on over, I guess, to make 700 campaigns throughout the world. Extraordinary talent. And the smartest political guy I ever met. Unquestionably so. Wow. So 700 campaigns you've done. Yep. Wow. Okay, so let's come back to uh, President Biden, Hank Sheinkoff. What what are his weaknesses and his strengths? I would imagine one major strength is the power of incumbency. It is hard to beat an incumbent, correct? It's hard to beat an incumbent president. If it weren't hard, it would happen all the time. Trump is a, uh, let's see, of recent, in recent memory, who's beaten an incumbent president? Uh, let's see, Biden beat Trump. Uh, who else? Uh, Clinton beat uh, beat uh, Bush. Uh, Reagan beat the Carter. Well, before that, got a time in between, right? Didn't happen that much. Significant. Hoover. Hoover lost to uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. There is an event that occurs that of you of, that is unusual, that is uh, kind of shocking to people that forces that kind of event to occur. Trump. It was the polarization by Trump. Uh, the fact that African Americans turned out record numbers around the country. With Reagan, it was the um, the Iran hostage situation. With with uh, Bush, it was uh, Bush to Clinton. It was the economy stupid, as we remember the famous James Carville saying, "It's the economy stupid." With Hoover to Roosevelt, it was um, let's see, what was it? It was the Great Depression and the the country's an online. There has to be that extraordinary event that occurs that gets people to lose their incumbencies after one term. The, the, the Biden problem is the, is the sense that things are out of control and that he's, he's old. People get this sense that he's old and the data keeps showing that there's uh, real concerns about his aging. And then there's also real concerns about what would happen if he doesn't make it through the next term. The idea that Kamala Harris could be president of the United States is very frightening to an awful lot of people. You know what's interesting, Hank Sheinkoff? <laughs> I almost feel in sync with you because as as you were mentioning the vice president, that's exactly where I was about to go. And so is there any way, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, but the way you see things and, and you're dead on with your predictions, is there any way that Mr. Biden, the president, is not the Democratic nominee? You know, that's a very important question you raised, Dominic. Why? Um, in history, let's say the last 60 years, right? What? There's only one person that has ever decided in my lifetime that he didn't want to be reelected president who had an opportunity to do so. They could seek a second term, and that was Lyndon Johnson in 1968. And the reason he sought, he chose not to seek that second term was that he, he was in. He was entangled in a war in Vietnam that had no that didn't make any sense to people and that he believed that if he ran for office, he probably would not be able to negotiate a peace or that he was an obstruction to peace, which proved to be wrong because Nixon won that election by a hair, um, not overwhelming. And um, we still didn't get out of Vietnam until Nixon was out of office. So it's kind of unusual. Right. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way we think, but people don't want to give up the job. Who wants to stop being the most powerful person in the world? I'd like to meet the person. You know, tomorrow <laughs> morning they say, Dominic Carter, you're the most powerful person in the world. You're going to give it up the next day? Absolutely no. not. Okay, so let, let's switch gears now. Mr. Trump, what are his strengths and weaknesses? 
Donald Trump is the invisible man who's there. At the debates, he wasn't there. At the debate, he wasn't there. But he's the invisible man. But he's controlling the discussion. Everything is really about him. He's the he's the person in the room that no one can see, but who controls the dialogue. He's practically running fifty percent of the Republican Party on any given day. His arguments and the, his existence, his political existence, has a good deal to do with the with the economic gaps in our country. The fact that there are people, particularly in the heartland, who feel that they have no place anymore. They don't fit. He is the residue, he's the receptacle of all their anger and hatred. Um, and it keeps getting worse. And, uh, and they hate the so-called sophisticates on both coasts who they believe are looking down on them. Um, the econ- as, and as the economic, it's fascinating, as economic, um, the gap between those that have and those that haven't and those that like to be in the middle class and those that have no shot to get there, as that increases, Trump becomes even more strong, which is really kind of wacky. He is certainly no uh, defender of the uh, of the powerless, but that's how he's being perceived. It, it is interesting. What what has happened, political consultant Hank Scheinkoff, to the Republican field, notably Florida Governor uh, Ron DeSantis? It's just not working for him. Not working for him because it, it's the listen. Many years ago, I did a, I did a race or was it a race? Up? Yeah, did a campaign and we, we didn't win it. And at the end of the campaign week, because I think that consultants, uh, although we see it often, they like to run away from their responsibility. But I'm kind of a jerk. I kind of take responsibility. So that's probably why I'm still working. You know, that being said, um, I went and I said, so what happened here? He said, you know, Hank, he said, I've thought about it a lot, but I just wasn't what people wanted at this particular moment. And that happens to be a lot of what goes on in politics. The losers are just not what people wanted at that moment. They just wanted something else. And, and that we, we, we fail to really think about that and consider that as something that people really think about. They do think about it. I mean, feel strongly about it. Timing is everything. You know, Chris, Fred Astaire would have been a lousy. Fred Astaire would have been bad at anything but dancing, you know? Right. So, so perfect example with timing, it would be Chris Christie, that his moment came and went. He wasn't a candidate, and that's that. He, it just, he also, his message was wrong. Chris Christie, Chris Christie is the nominee would mean that the Democrats would have millions of dollars worth of negative ads talking about the scandal at the George Washington Bridge and how he hung up the people who worked for him to go get, get to go take a rap from the feds or the state and get locked up. I mean, that he was a rat. Wouldn't work out very well. You know, the angry man. DeSantis, he's just the wrong guy at the wrong time. Everything he says doesn't work. How anybody can beat up Mickey Mouse and think they can be president is not going to work. He's taking on Disney. That's Mickey Mouse. That's, a, that's an American cultural phenomenon. What makes him think that that's sufficient to get into the White House? It just doesn't work. Good point. Would it happen to be uh, Governor DeSantis, his personality? Well, he's certainly not Mr. Warm. And a lot of what goes on in presidential politics and all of the politics is you don't really have to. You don't have to have smart ideas, but you've got to be likable. You know, in our our history and state politics uh, in New York and throughout the country, is filled with many cases, people who aren't the greatest geniuses, but they tend to be liked. Right. There's nothing likable about him. He's mean. He goes after people. He doesn't talk about how he helps. He helps how he stops people. That's not necessarily a way to, you know, be seen as the as the great protector of the common wheel and someone you want to have over for dinner. Our most successful politicians are people that you want to say, hi, how you doing? And you feel like having a conversation with him. Who wants to have a conversation with Ron DeSantis? Really? 
Think about it. It's absurd. Do you buy into Mr. Trump's argument that without Trump, Ron DeSantis would have never been elected governor of Florida? I don't know. And I wonder, does it matter? That's Donald Trump trying to say he's trying to one up DeSantis and make him look like an ingrate. I'm pretty good, you know, but does it matter? Dominic, I am. I know why you raise it, but I'm not sure it has any relevance to DeSantis's problems. His problems are that he's Ron DeSantis, nothing else. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Mr. Sheinkoff, Mr. Trump the other day was talking up Ramaswamy. Uh, To me, he was talking about Ramaswamy as a possible number two on his ticket. To me, that would be Trump's way of doing like an Obama move, energizing non-traditional Republican base. Any way we're looking at a Trump Ramaswamy ticket? Well, it's hard to determine what's going to happen, you know, a year down the road. Um, well, before that, the convention will be up much sooner. But would he be a reasonable choice for Trump? The answer is yes. It gets rid of the problem of race for Trump to some extent. It'd be harder for people to vote uh, for Trump and say he's a racist, which is part of the, the bang that he gets rightfully and wrongfully. Um, it would give him uh, um, a whole different base of voters to begin to pull out from. And it would take advantage of a trend fortunately or unfortunately, that people who people or people who the elites think are going to vote for Democrats all the time are not necessarily doing that. I mean, they're the crime migrants, uh, the general sense that the, the values that the values don't agree uh, is causing more people who you would not expect to, to vote for Republicans or not vote Democrats. And that's Trump. That's Trump's way were to pass of him softening himself so that people could frankly vote Republican and not feel all uh, that awkward. Was it was it smart for Mr. Trump to not do the first debate? Genius. Because why be there and be attacked when you don't have to be there and you're the story? He doesn't have to be anywhere near these guys, and he's the story. Trump is the story because he's the greatest press agent in the history of the world. Nobody's better at determining what the news will be. He controlled the news cycle by not being there. If he had been there, the others would have, would have been the story about how they attacked him. But that's not what happened. He made himself the story without even being in the story. I thought it was exceptionally smart. I I would agree with you um, if, for for exactly the reasons that you just uh, stated. So with that in mind, do you see him skipping the upcoming Republican debate in California at the Reagan Library? It depends on what the state of play is at the time. But again, um, were I he, I would hold. I would find a local radio opera, uh, radio uh, studio that where there's this radio radio uh, programmer or whatever it is or station, and I go on the air and I do a do that. And I'd think I'd simultaneously broadcast it on the TV operation so that I'd get that going, and I'd just be doing my own talking and not be at the debate. He gains nothing by being on the stage with all those guys. Nothing whatsoever, because all they're going to do is focus on him and rip him apart. He doesn't need that. When he's not there with him, he credibly becomes the victim of the elites who are trying to destroy him and the what he calls the, the words, whatever he calls the government at that particular day, um, that they're trying to destroy him. And by doing so, 
he makes himself the symbol of everything that that the people he represents feel is occurring to them, that they're being destroyed, their lives are being taken apart, um, and not being there, well, you know, it's, it gives him more credibility to make that argument. But but we will see a general election a debate between Biden and Trump, correct? That we'll see. That's That makes some sense. And the, the job there for Trump will be to do what he thinks he knows how to do, which is what he tried to do the last time around, show that he has, has a greater and stronger physical presence, that age applies to Biden and not to him, that he is more vibrant, has better ideas, and is more emotional and more in control. That's uh, the Trump challenge, and that's what Biden will have face. Hank Sheinkoff, political consultant, what do you say to people that hate Trump so much they say there's no way that he can be elected again president of the United States. The, the wonderful thing about people who can't separate their emotions from their analysis is that they're frequently wrong. But they get the bad news is they get terribly disappointed that their egos were so engaged that they were not correct and therefore they don't understand that the way they analyzed the problem was wrong. Trump will be the president if the election were held today because he fits the moment not because of the way people feel about him who are, who are non-objective, but the voters are going through some kind of change. This country is going through a dramatic shift. Um, and these, these shifts tend to occur uh, over time. They're noticeable. The, uh, the political scientists have called them in some ways critical elections, they're historical phenomena. And we're experiencing the Trump revolution in a different way. He is the embodiment of everything that went wrong, not everything that went right. So that's maybe what they hate. They should t- take a step back for a second and figure out how they're going to get people who vote for Trump to not vote for Trump. That'd be a better thing for them to do. So as it relates to Nikki Haley, the only uh, woman in the race, uh, some say she did very well after the first debate. Do you see any possibility of uh, Trump uh, running on the ticket with her? Hard to imagine Nikki Haley on a ticket with Trump. It wouldn't work. She'd be not credible. And it would give the Democrats a real fire firepower for television ads, making her into a liar. And therefore, uh, how so? Because she criticized Trump and now she's running with him. Um, that would be great ads for the Democrats. And that would be able they'd be able to, in fact, by doing that, make the whole Republican ticket look um, like it was deceitful. So I don't see that as a possibility. What what what's on your radar, Hank Sheinkoff, in terms of a possible running mate thus far? And I know Vivek. it's early. Vivek is very vivid. How's that? That that's Rivers good. The guy. That that that's good. Do you see anyone else in the Republican field emerging to be a major player? I always thought that Scott could be the major player, and he also would be a good choice for vice president on a Trump ticket. Um, but it would have to be somebody unique and different, not Christie, um, not Pence. Although Christie tried to make Pence into the moral hero of the moment, he you know kind of worked, it kind of didn't work. But, you know, coming out of that grouping that was there last week, Vivek and Scott seem to be the most likely people to move ahead in the future. Vivek because he was, like I said, vivid, vivid, and Scott because he wasn't that vivid, but he's certainly got credentials. He knows how to raise money. He's an African-American, and he's conservative uh, on uh, value arguments. Interesting. I, I only have a minute or two left to Hank Sheinkoff, political consultant. You have the pulse of America and you always have. So explain this to me. I don't understand uh, moving away from the presidential race. I don't get it. 
with far left politics and these mayors and governors and district attorneys that that are letting the the criminals do whatever they want and and they don't see how that's turning the american people off the elitists have never had a day where they can't look in the mirror and say don't i look like everybody when in fact they don't you can't hope that you'll win elections when you have things like bail reform plus higher taxes, plus migrants, plus chaos. What we have created in this country is what I call the political industrial complex. And I unfortunately bear some responsibility for it, having been, I guess, in the first row of the second generation of political professionals that existed. Um, We've created a class of people who live and die by who gets in what payroll at what time, who gets one lobbying contract to do what, who never served the nation, never cared about the nation, and somehow believe they have the nation's values with them when they really don't. What they have is a desire to stay in office or stay in power, get the benefits that they get, whether they be big salaries that average people they represent could never dream of in their lives, plus pensions, plus health insurance. Explain this. My last question. You mentioned the migrant crisis. Why is President Biden not dealing with this? And mayors around the country, governors around the country are are being forced to deal with this. In New York City in particular, the mayor, it's just not it's not working well for him politically with the migrant issue. Explain this to me, Hank Sheinkoff, why from the national level to state and city levels, officials are not clamping down. Simple. In, let's take New York, which is really ground zero and where it's really happening most. Why should Kathy Hochul, the governor, help the mayor and put the migrants outside of New York City when she knows by doing that she will lose the suburbs for her own party next year and potentially lose the election of re-election for her in 2026? Correct. The suburbs don't want, they don't want the city seeping into the suburbs. They don't want it. That's why Democrats got creamed in the suburbs of New York City in 2022. To the national question, why should Joe Biden care about what Eric Adams says or does? It doesn't matter because unless, you know, unless Mars collides with, with Jupiter, the Democrats are going to win New York City, New York State and its electoral votes. Just the way it is. Why should it matter? And Adams attacked him and Adams attacked the vice president. How can Joe Biden stand there and help him? He can't, but he can help the governor. That's a different question. And so in closing, Hank Sheinkoff, nationally, what are you looking at as a major political consultant throughout the country? What what issues are you looking at? What races are you looking at in closing? I'm watching the U.S. Senate races. I think that there could be some trouble for the Democratic senators. And I'm watching what happens in places where the migrants are um, in local elections in this 2023 because there will be a good predictor of what happens in 2024. Interesting political consultant Hank Sheinkoff will see how this all turns out. And that is all the time we have for this episode. Thank you, folks, for joining us. If you are interested in my remarkable book on my life titled No Mama's Boy or even the Dominic Carter bobblehead doll, go to my website, all one word, DominicCarterOnline.com, DominicCarterOnline.com. If you order the book at my website rather than Amazon, I can personally sign it for you. You can catch me on 77 WA. ABC weeknights, midnight to 1 a.m., 
Go check out the Dominic Carter merchandise at the 77 WABC store from Dominic Carter t-shirts to hats and much more. Go to WABCRadioStore.com. Also, follow me on YouTube where you will see videos from me about this podcast and the radio show. YouTube.com forward slash Dominic Carter. We'll see you the next time. Dominic Carter, Red Apple Podcast, Talk Radio 77, WABC. I gotta make it. Dominic Carter Socials on Twitter at Dominic TV and Facebook and Instagram. Dominic Carter TV. Email at Dominic.Carter at WABCRadio.com. Until the next episode, be well. And as Dominic always says, stay positive. The glass is always half full, never half empty. Dominic Carter City Hall. City Hall.